0: Welcome to One City Podcast. Today, Pastors Chris and Karen Conley will take a deeper dive into this week's message and teach us to apply the truth of God's Word in our lives. Welcome to Conversations. This is Karen and Chris Conley, and we are so glad to have you joining us today. This is our first conversation about a brand new series called Building One City. It's all about faith hope, and love. So Chris, as we begin the journey of this series, and it feels like every series is really its own unique journey, um, help us as we're at the starting point of what to expect and and what it is in this first message as you reflect on teaching it um, that really might be helpful for us to dive deeper into.
1: Well, when we think about this series, there's some intentional play on words, building one city. It's all about faith, hope, and love. We are building the church spiritually, but we also need to build the church physically. We need an actual church home. But before we talk about what's required to build the church physically, um, it's important to know what we're investing in. And so what is God's definition of the church And how do we return to his definition of the church? We've allowed the church, I think, to become something less than his definition. So what we really want to do is elevate God's definition of the church, see what it means for us to truly be the church, and to live out the Great Commission.
0: So Chris, as we think about this particular series, I know that This is a series that really is is going to go a couple of different directions, but Matthew 16, um, 13 through 19 is definitely a pivotal passage that you have taught on and you will come back to throughout this series. Tell us about just what led you to this being that foundation of this series and why it's so critical to us as we think about, again, not just building a building. But where we are as a culture, where we are as a church in our culture, and why that's so important.
1: Well, this is the foundation passage because it's the first time the word church is used in Scripture, and we know, according to the principles of interpretation, the word people typically use there is hermeneutics, that the first time a word is used, it defines its use for every uh, you know s- subsequent time of usage. And so when it's used the first time, there is a specific context. So we need to understand the context of how he used this word, how he defines this word. And then from there, it helps shape our understanding of church in every usage from this point forward. So when when he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, I mean, that is an incredibly powerful statement. You know, that's not passive at all. And so unfortunately, most churches feel like they have become polite and, you know, that it's a nice thing to add to our life. You know, it's it's a, a place where good people can go to do good things, that we can be nice people, we can be kind people, we can be good citizens, and all these things are good, But have we lost kind of, how did he say that? What was the tone of his voice when he said, I will build my church? You know, what was his body language when he said that? And then for the next thing to come out of his mouth and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I'm just captivated by this statement. And by what this statement should mean for each and every one of us who are uh, sons and daughters of God, who are you know, followers of Christ, who are disciples, learners and followers of Christ. And then ultimately what it means for us to also see ourselves as servants and soldiers.
0: So, Chris, as we think about this, I know this passage really resonated on the whole topic of authority. Right. What is it about this authority that the church is supposed to have, and yet we're living in a culture where we don't feel? see it and and if anything in the middle of the context of of where we are in 2021 with a lot of public gatherings you know diminished or uh just shut down it for some seasons it feels like where is that authority what is it about authority that you feel like as believers we need to have a, a maybe a reacquaintance with or an, a better understanding what is it about that whole authority piece that we need to know
1: Well, speaking of that, I went back and did kind of a a word study of every occurrence of the word authority throughout the pages of Scripture, and I was just blown away at how much authority is built into the vision of God. So time and time again, uh, Jesus consistently talks about the kingdom of God. And and when we say, you know, uh, your kingdom come, what are we saying? We're really saying for your authority to come on earth as it is in heaven, for your authority to be represented, um, you know, the kingdom of God. I've said this many times before, but every kingdom has a king. That king comes to establish his rule and reign. And so what he's trying to do here is say that the church is the family of God, but it's also more than a gathered assembly. It's a gathered army. And that in that gathering of this army, one of our primary jobs is to exalt the authority of God. And the more the authority of God is increased, then the more lawlessness decreases. But the more the authority of God is decreased, then more lawlessness is increased. And so there is a direct representation between how we view who God is, what God's truth is. Now, when it comes to God's truth and comes to God's authority, um, we shouldn't force anything upon anyone And just because of the word authority doesn't give you the right to abuse authority at all. What makes his authority so attractive is that it is authority given to us by a servant leader, and ultimately it's authority where there is a choice involved. It's not by force. You know, we're exalting his authority of what it means to define love, to be a person of love. And to ultimately be an agent of love, a representative of love, someone that creates, takes kind of the, the ten commandments of God, um, those first four commandments being vertical, those last six commandments being horizontal, being the, you know, the relational commandments that exist between man and, and, and women. Um, you know, what he does is he's trying to say, when we exalt these, then the rule of God uh, is present. Now, here's the thing. If the rule of God is not present, then there's another rule that is present, and that's the rule of the enemy. There's no such thing as neutral. So if we don't increase his authority, then the enemy's going to take advantage of that and he's going to increase his authority.
0: I love the fact that we're having this conversation because I feel like it's such a if you look back over different cultures and different times in church history, it feels like that we often get confused and, and you, you look at the criticisms of believers over time. And then, you know, there, there were seasons where there was obviously a higher regard for the word of God, but sometimes in the church taking their authority it felt like bashing people who didn't believe. And so as we talk about this, maybe... Even just elaborate because that's the always the tension that I feel when we talk about the power of God that it's sometimes hijacked by people who think that either means be in people's face, um, of sharing the good news but in a way it's not received well, or in chastising people for not living under God's authority. How does that work?
1: Well, we if we take his authority out of context then yes, there are ways that people abuse authority. Um, But if we put his authority in context, his authority is defined by his love. And so everything about his authority is exercised for the purpose of love. It is exercised for the good of others, not for the control of others. We're not using authority in order to elevate ourselves above others and to create superiority we're using authority to actually create equality we're using authority so that what is radically different our authority as god's people as god's representatives should be holy now that word holy means set apart unique and radically different so our authority must not be rude our authority must not be um shouting and you know pointing the finger and you know uh, like we're associating authority with the word anger mm-hmm. well, you know authority and ang- anger don't have to be two sides of one coin. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes his authority so radically unique is that it's not clothed in anger; it is a authority that is establishing the greater good for all people
0: so chris as we are in this passage um, and in this message Obviously, Zechariah 4, 6, and 7 is one of the foundational verses of one city. And so, as we talk about building one city, um, that's a verse that you referenced in this message. I think it's a verse that you will continue to elaborate on in other um, messages in this series. Um, but when we talk about um, the power of God, you know, in this particular verse, He talks about, you know, how are you going to move that great mountain? It's by shouting grace to it, grace to it. So maybe address first the power and then the grace.
1: Yeah. So before I address power, our authority is associated with our commission. When Jesus gave the great commission, he said, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. So where does the authority come from? It comes in the great commission. The great commission is in addition to making disciples. When we make disciples, we are ushering in the kingdom of God. Okay. So that's the authority. Now, as the more we submit to his great commission, the more we are entrusted with his authority. But what we do see is that you know, the disciples, when they were in the presence of Jesus for three and a half years, they're operating kind of under his mantle of authority and power. All right. But when Jesus ascends, then he gives us the Holy spirit and he tells them to wait, to be clothed with power from on high. All right. And so the power of God comes from, uh, the gift of the Holy spirit. It comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but more than just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it is the activation of the Holy Spirit in our life, where what we see is we see the Spirit of God fall upon us in such a way that we begin to walk by the Spirit for the purpose of producing the fruits of the Spirit. But not only do we walk by the Spirit, but we also exercise um, Uh, the works of the spirit and the way that we exercise the works of the spirit is by um, the gifts that God has given us. There's manifestations of the spirit that they manifest themselves in certain gifts, you know, gifts like healing, gifts, like prophecy, gifts, like a prayer language, gifts, like leadership, serving, all those kinds of things. And so you have the authority that comes from the great commission. You have the power that comes from you know, kind of this, uh, encounter with the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the, the favor of the Holy Spirit, you know, falling upon you. But then as we look at those two things, when we put those two things together, we learn that there are mountains that exist in a fallen, broken world that cannot be moved by our might or by our power, And so those mountains can only be moved by the spirit. Now, when the spirit gets involved, the spirit will activate things like faith. And we will see God give us measures of faith. And that faith is, you know, that confident trust in who God says he is, but it's also faith in what God can do. And so there's moments that we have these uh, belief moments where we believe God can move that mountain. We step into that. And in that also, we shout grace to it, whatever that mountain is. It's moved by the undeserved kindness of God. It's moved by the unconditional love of God. It's moved by unconventional means. It's not moved by force. It's moved by faith. It's moved by grace. It's moved by love. It's moved by all the things of God.
0: So Chris, in this particular message, you went through some specific examples of seeing God's power um, just in our own journey And I think as you kind of paint this picture, okay, authority comes from the Great Commission, power comes from the Holy Spirit. Those are things that um, all of us, if if you've walked with the Lord for a while, none of that is new. But speak to a moment of just in in our learning journey, how we have been able to, to look at times where we felt like we were doing all the right things, but maybe not seeing the results and how, how that process has kind of led us to that place of saying, okay, is there more to what we have as power of ch- as children of God trying to be vessels here on this earth?
1: Yeah, there are times that we take one particular truth of Christianity and we emphasize it so much that we neglect other truths that run parallel to it. So we'll take a truth like discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, and we'll create spiritual disciplines. And there are fantastic books written on spiritual disciplines. And I would encourage you to read them and to implement those spiritual disciplines into your life. But if we're not careful, we accidentally turn our sanctification into a lot of effort, into a lot of, um, you know, trying to uh, do all the right things. You know, am I spending enough time in a priority time? Am I spending enough time in prayer? Am I meditating enough? Am I in solitude enough? Am I serving enough? Am I giving enough? And I don't think it was meant to be that hard. And so sometimes when you're trying really, really hard and you're getting really limited results. We've got to go, Well, okay, well, what's missing here? What's the problem? And I think that's where, as far as the spirit of God is concerned, you know, um, there was a day in time where it was almost like in vogue, you know, to talk about swimming upstream and going against the current, and this is who we are and what we're supposed to do. And, I kind of see the the picture of, no, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to find the river of God. We're supposed to find his current. We're supposed to get in that river and we're supposed to go downstream. And yes, there's some paddling involved. There's some steering involved, some guiding involved, but it's not everything built upon my effort and my strength. There is a greater power. And so, you know, one of the illustrations that we've used throughout this is it's the difference between a rowboat and a sailboat, you know, that for a long time, honestly, my spiritual journey was I was in the rowboat and I was rowing as hard as I could. And I was trying to get as many people to row with me in sync as hard and as fast as we can. But at the same time, when you do, and I want to repeat myself intentionally here, see limited results, you've got to go okay, God, that's not what you promised. Those aren't the pictures I see in scripture. They're not necessarily the the examples I see throughout history. Where's your spirit? And so God, if you have given me a great commission, then you're going to equip me for that great commission, but you're also going to empower me for that great commission. You're not going to set me up for failure. And so what really has led you and I in this journey to, um, doing more than tip our toes in the water of understanding the Holy Spirit but really trying to say wait a second, this is the third person of the Trinity um, this is the one that God promises to be with us and to empower us to fulfill his mission all right instead of taking a fear based approach, how do we take approach of we trust what God says we don't you know look at the abuses that occur we don't look at you know, Everything that you know, people would be deemed to be weird, but rather we look at the true fruit. We look at the true work, and we go, "Is that what I want?" And what we have come to see, and God was doing this work in our life, you know, for the last ten years. This is not just the last three or four years, but over the last you know ten to twelve years, there's been this steady uh, introduction to who the holy spirit is uh an inner peace about who he is a confidence about who he is and then a willingness to try to um ask for more from the spirit of god to do more in us to do more through us so that we can actually uh fulfill the promises that we see in scripture
0: well i as we've been on this journey, I think some of the things that you that you just hit on was so often it was either just not in our context or it was a fear-based mentality um, that we just invite you along in this journey to say, no, um, I, I think about the times when there've been people close to us who've lost loved ones. And all of a sudden, even when your dad passed away, you start looking at what scripture says about heaven differently. You start, you know, and in the same way as we've looked at authority and we've looked at miracles and we look at those things and you start to see the totality of what scripture says about these things, you know, in the parallel with heaven, you're like, oh wait, this really, there is something to this. This isn't an imaginary place. It's not okay, this is, this is something I need to grasp and understand to know the totality of who my God is. And well,
1: so- and let me say this, because something you just said sparked this thought in me. Like, okay, one of the things that we're saying in this series is that God has caused us to advance heaven and to stop hell. Well, I mean, that sounds like, you know, a bit extreme, all right? But why does it sound extreme? Only because maybe we don't truly understand our identity. Well, how do we understand our identity? We got to understand who God really is. Would we want to serve a God who doesn't want to advance heaven and stop hell? Would we want to serve a God that's limited in his ways to advance heaven and stop hell? Well, do we want to serve a God who's changed his great commission and go, you know, I, I mean, I, I thought that was a great idea 2000 years ago, but like, I don't know. I'll just, you know, kind of settle for less. And, you know, maybe we can just create these little, you know, nice church buildings on the corner and maybe we can have just a nice gathering and maybe we can just, you know, um, it, it doesn't have to be that aggressive. Well, maybe we not only don't understand who God is, maybe we not only do we not understand like, who we are in light of who God is, maybe we also don't understand who the enemy is. And so I want to invite people to join us on this journey. Like, no, he has invited us into something so much bigger and so much better that, um, you get to not be, you know, a fan in the stands. You get to be a player on the team. And as a player on the team, he's given you everything you need to play the game. All right, and so you know church is boring if you're just watching it, but if you are the church and God actually uses you first and foremost in your family to advance heaven and stop hell, man, that's a fabulous thing. If God uses you to advance heaven and stop hell and your friends and your circle of influence man that's 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 a life worthy of living. If God uses you as a part of a local body of Christ to join together with other local bodies of Christ to change the very fabric of your city and to advance heaven and stop hell, that's worth building one city.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to have this conversation. So grateful for you listening and really just want to encourage you as we um, continue in this series, um, building one city. It is application to building our own lives, to um, strengthening us in our own journey personally, And then in the church uh, of one city, but even bigger than that, as we talk about these things, this applies to the church and who we are across this country and across this world as believers. So I pray that you'll continue to join us along this journey as we come back next time with part two of Building One City. But until next time, you have a great one and we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at OneCityMemphis.org.